welcome aboard. This is your Captain Johnny. And first mate Jess, thank you for joining us on our chaotic journey through fan fiction. This podcast will contain adult situations and themes. I would strongly suggest using caution when listening in public. But what do I know? We do not own these stories or characters. They're just along for the ride upon the ships of chaos. So what did we discuss last week, Jess? Uh, So a recap of last week's episode, we discussed what Bannon is, what canon is. Um, We learned about the characters, Styles, Derek, a little bit about Scott, um, and about the Teen Wolf environment. I I don't know if I'm missing anything. That was a basic recap of last week. This last week, um, between episodes, I restarted watching Teen Wolf with my mom. She decided, hey, I want to see Teen Wolf. So I'm like, yay, another opportunity for me to watch it. <laughs> so I started re-watching it and spent the entire, like, 12 episodes going, look at Dylan's lips. Look at that Cupid's bow. That's what it's called on the top of your lips, right? Yeah, I think uh, so. I was like, I just want to kiss those lips. And my mom's like, you're pathetic. Oh, no, he does have very kissable lips. I also started watching Team Wolf. Yay. Got two people to watch Teen Wolf this week. Yay. Derek is hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, she's like, he's got, like, these bunny teeth. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he does. It's okay. Those bunny teeth. <laughs> um, I did remember, though, um, last week I, I did not remember if they talked about emissaries and Deaton being Talia's emissary and then after we finished recording I remembered oh my god that's what the entire third season was about and I felt so disappointed in myself so it's okay we all forget things yeah an entire season I don't know Johnny but (laughs) I'll forgive you this time it's really a shame because I literally finished watching Teen Wolf like a month ago like less than a month ago I finished watching season six so i should have remembered but yeah season three was big part of emissaries was a big part of that you know this whole year has been a blur i don't i don't think any of us remember what happened last month the month before (laughs) it's all one big giant day that is never ending um i remember beginning of the year my uh, what, beginning to listen to podcasts because I've never listened to a podcast before the end of this, before the beginning of this year, and now I have so much time on my hands that I've listened to Potterless and Fangasm and Fire Whiskey and Honey. And I know Claire at the beginning of the year said, "Oh, it's the 2020s. We're gonna have another plague." And I'm like, once this all started, I'm like, "Dang it, Claire! Dang it, Claire!" <laughs> Sorry, Claire, if you're listening. <laughs> but you so, did this. But um, just, it's been really one long year, and I've rewatched a lot of shows that I've watched a hundred times, like Buffy, and I think I've completely rewatched the entire Harry Potter series, and Angel, and White Collar. I'm guilty of having a go-to. I think I've rewatched House maybe five or six times this entire year. 
I have, I watched, rewatched the show Leverage with Christian Kane like five times since August. I will have to check out Leverage. I, we've talked about this before, but it's got to be good since August six times. Yeah. Um, yesterday, no, day before yesterday was October 1st. We are on October 3rd today while we record. This episode will be available October 8th. Was it 8th? The 8th, yep. So you'll be able to hear the first chapter, October 8th. And I started watching my Halloween movies, so hopefully I can get through all those. Teen Wolf is on the list, actually, so I'm glad that I watched the first season with my mom. Uh, Is there anything you're excited about this first chapter? I am... Honestly, just excited for all of it. I'm excited to see. I've only done like a look through of the chapter. I have no idea what's coming. So I'm excited to see if we're going to meet Derek in the first chapter or just to see how Styles has completely like grown, changed, if any. So I remember last week I told you like when Teen Wolf started, Styles was 16. Uh, when this story starts, he is about 30. So it's a bit after, set a bit after when Teen Wolf was. So and Derek is supposed to be a total of 10 years older, right? So that would put him in the 40s here, or is the age difference not going to make? Well, when I, was, when I was re-watching Teen Wolf this last week, uh, that misconception was actually corrected in my mind. He is six years older. Okay, so he'll still be in his 30s. He's still a little bit older. Yeah. The fire that killed Derek's family happened six years prior to the start of Teen Wolf, not 10 like I was thinking. I don't know why I thought 10 years, honestly. Rounding up, it's easier. (laughs) And there's a lot of things that I thought happened in Teen Wolf. I guess it happened in the fandom and not the actual Teen Wolf. And it got mixed up in my mind. That happens a lot. It happens a lot, a lot. In every single fandom I'm part of. Yeah, I have no idea what's real in Harry Potter anymore. (laughs) One of, like, I'm constantly like, wait, wait, did that really happen? One of my favorite vampire shows is True Blood. Love True Blood. And there's so many different fan fictions of True Blood. I have no idea what's in the actual show anymore, what's in the actual books it's based off, and what's just fan fiction anymore. That would be a, that would be a cool, one of those stories would be cool to cover <laughs> in Ships of Chaos. Yeah. Talk about chaos, that's... True blood. Oh, if, if we do a true blood one, we have to do one where um, Suki and Godric are together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> we'll discuss that later. <laughs> so let's start with chapter one. Are you ready? I am ready. So again, we just want to give a great big thank you to Hyper Little Nori for letting us read this story. Um, I'm, Johnny has told me how talented you are. So thank you so much for giving us this gift. I want to thank Hyper Little Nori for giving us such a great review last week and tagging me on Tumblr and AO3. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. That really helps this podcast. We are new. 
we obviously aren't podcast experts. We're learning as we go. So to get a great review like that is awesome. And it really helps us. Yeah. Especially since we are both so new at audio editing. I had never edited any audio until last week when I had to edit the last week's episode. Let's let's get started. Yay. Let's get started. Yay. <laughs> okay, so the first chapter, Nature's Song. The whole world around him was unrecognizable, and yet some things were still the same. Styles hated the cold. He hated the cold and he hated the wet. And so it was perhaps odd that thunderstorms were a phenomenon he longed for nowadays. It was the only one of nature's songs that drowned out the deafening silence that filled his days. Stiles sat on the old wooden chair at what he called the broadcast desk. He stared out the poorly repaired window at the world, his long fingers dragging back and forth over the top of the currently inactive radio. Okay, so we're a paragraph in. The descriptions that are being used, I could hear the rain. I can hear myself sitting in silence. I can hear the thunderstorms outside. I can just feel like the, like the dread of like watching the rain and like, Styles thinking, this is what my life is now. The forest noises were lost to the howling wind, its claws crashing against the wooden structure of the old radio tower. The building groaned but held firm, unbowed by the strength of the storm. There was a comfort in that, and the melody of the little creaks and grumbles of wood, and the little cracks in the corners of some of the windows. The way his chair squeaked just a little as he shifted, never still, even now after all these years. The noises were like the complaints of an old friend, bothersome, yet a welcome reprieve from the quiet. The sky was dark in the world beyond his little sanctuary. There was no lightning tonight, but the rumbles of the storm were loud and rolling overhead almost constantly. He couldn't even hear the low hum of the small generator. It was beautiful. It was knowing that if there was still anyone out there, they'd be listening to the same storm. And at moments like that, he felt a little less alone. Oh my God, I just want to cry for him. I know. I couldn't understand being alone so long. I just want to give him a hug. I know. It's like this quarantine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's like, I've got a windstorm going on right now, and it's kind of helping the ambiance here. As the thunder slowly rumbled away from him, he leaned back in his chair and sighed as he stared at the radio, tracing the outer edges with longing, but no hope. It wasn't hope that kept him going. It was routine. He always broadcast three times a day at the same time, but tonight's broadcast would be pretty pointless with the tail end of the storm still rattling the antenna and distorting anything he said. Even if there was anyone out there listening, he sighed. And even though it was pointless, pulled the receiver toward him and clicked the well-worn switch. This is mischief broadcasting. Current location, Salvanda Radio's Tower. The old worn sign below at the base of the ladder told him as much, but there was also a slightly faded map 
taking up most of the wall over the radio station too. There were currently little pins over it, all connected with a single line of red string, the end of which hung loose at one side, a neat track of his path all the way from Beacon Hills, the places he'd survived before he stumbled upon this place. The radio had been too attractive an opportunity to leave, and so he'd made his base here. It worked so far. He'd never been able to stay in one place so long, close to two years now. It felt longer. Oh, gosh. I couldn't imagine two years in one place where you're just so isolated. I can't even handle isolation for a week. Yeah. Just, oh, man. But two years. And, yeah. like, to hold on to that hope. So he finds this radio tower. And I, I would assume if I found a radio tower, I think my first hope would be, like, yes, I can maybe reach out to people. But to hold on to that for two years. Yeah. And, wow. like. As he said, he's has like little hope that he's going to reach somebody, but he still does it three times a day. But I mean, what else can you do all day? There, anyone out there, he murmured. The crackle of radio silence was his only reply. That was a great radio noise. Perfect. (laughs) As routine dictated, he offered the information three more times before letting his mouth rattle. He liked to think maybe there were people out there listening, even if they couldn't answer, couldn't reach him. He sometimes talked about his day, though it wasn't often all that different from the last. He got up, ate, washed in the stream, running nearby, and checked on the little greenhouse he'd managed to establish. He did maintenance on the tower, washed his clothes, headed up to the lake for the day's water, and tried to catch something for dinner, and then headed back. In the early days, he had hiked out to try and map his area. When his Jeep had been working, he'd even driven to the nearest town the map had shown for supplies, but it had died long ago now. His baby had coughed up the last dribble of fuel he'd managed to scrape up on his way back with the supplies he'd actually gathered for the construction of the greenhouse. The flourishing vegetables were a testament to how long ago that had been. Sometimes on his worst days, he made the two-hour trek back to the derelict Jeep to sit in the seat and just think. Melancholy clung to the seat and the memories, so he didn't let himself make the trip often. He couldn't let himself break now. So this would be his blue Jeep that he yeah. drives in the show, right? Yeah, Roscoe. Oh, oh, I didn't know he named it. Yeah, the Jeep's name is Roscoe. I love the little blue Jeep. It is a sexy little blue Jeep. Yeah, it's a 1987 blue Jeep. I love that little Jeep. Now each day was mostly this, his routine interrupted only by mealtimes and the regular broadcast. A look out the window showed only trees as far as the eye could see. In the distance, he could make out some mountains, but there were no lights, no signs of life. When the storm rolled away, there were only the soft sounds of nocturnal forest animals. A fox sometimes, or an owl calling balefully. Silence. It's funny, I guess, he found himself telling the radio. Most days he wondered if his rambling, his tendency to talk even when there was nothing to say, had been what kept him sane. If a man with a brain-to-mouth filter would have lost his mind long ago. I I don't like to hunt animals, if I can help it even after all these years. I mean, I can, and I do, buddy, 
is. He winced, wrinkling his nose. He sprawled back in his chair, head hanging back. He closed his eyes as he held the receiver near enough to talk into it. I suppose fishing just reminds me of those trips with my mom and dad when I was a kid. They'd take me up to Beacon Lake and we'd camp out and fish. Plus blood and stuff has always never really been something that I was good with. I've got a weak stomach. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Own your weakness and all that. I can't skin anything without retching, and after that, you're sort of less hungry. It's veggies and fish for me most days. The lake is thriving anyway, and I'm pretty handy at making my own fries by now. Or, well, boiled potatoes, really. But, you know. He talked about anything and everything, even before the breakdown of civilization as he knew it. Before it all fall apart, he'd been used to talking away, while the other party of the conversation either listened or tried to tune him out even his dad had gotten pretty handy at it yeah that was the one thing that i did that was the one thing i did pick up from the show is uh miles can talk he is a talker (laughs) have you gotten to like the um parent teacher conferences yeah yeah i did get to that episode when finstock's like he wrote an entire essay on milk circumcision and his dad's like well it's his story he's like i teach economics yeah (laughs) that's one of my favorite parts because he's like it's not even the subject i teach (laughs) but he's smart (laughs) do you think if you were living in this apocalyptic world do you think you'd be able to kill animals I can't even imagine doing it now, but if I had to, I guess I could. Yeah. Are you a vegan? I'm a pescatarian. I only eat fish and chicken. Okay. I guess chicken makes me less of a pescatarian, but it's healthy. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to have to hunt animals. You would have to for survival at some point, but that would would be really hard. My dad was in the military, and when I was really young, he showed me how to uh, kill my own chicken if I ever had to for survival. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's something good to know. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'd be eating feathers. Yeah, my, I, I could survive if I had to, and I suppose if I, if I got into the situation, if I couldn't gather uh, my own vegetables, I would have to, and I'd do it. It's just not something I ever want to actually do, and hopefully yeah, I never have to. It's, it is very scary to think about. Yeah. I mean, I can understand Styles' whole aversion to killing things in this. It's like, I wouldn't want to like sit there and have to skin an animal and then eat it because I'd lose my appetite. Yeah. Agreed. Leaning back in the chair like this with his eyes closed, he could almost be in his childhood childhood bedroom chatting to scott on skype or on the xbox he smiled to himself in the last decade or so the memories had stopped hurting most days and had become a comfort a dream of happier times most days he didn't feel sad or depressed he just felt lonely he felt if he could find someone just one someone to mark his days with someone who would talk back once in a while he could do this he could. With a sigh, he yawned and decided to give up for the night. This is mischief. 
it's been 16 years since the end of the world. 16 years since all he had to concern himself with were high school and unrequited love. 16 years since he'd, since he'd sat on his couch back in Beacon Hills with his scrawny 14-year-old legs folded up under him and his dad had walked in through the front door with a haunted look in his eyes when it all started. Eight years since he'd last seen his dad. Five years since he'd last seen a human being. Two since he'd seen the last sentient being. All was quiet. There were only monsters left now roaming free like the stuff of nightmares. Unchallenged, he was alone. This is Mischief of Salvada Forest Radio Tower, signing off for tonight. With a sigh, he pulled the blanket he'd been wrapped in tighter around him and slid under the heavy layer of blankets on the bed. It was a double, but it felt anything but luxurious. Still, he slept in worse places, and at some point over the last couple years, this had become home. He closed his eyes and dreamt of disembodied voices over the radio, reminiscent of those last police broadcasts he'd heard over the radio in his Jeep before everything had gone quiet. The ones that had said something worse than werewolves had slunk out of the shadows when they staged a rebellion on humanity and were killing them off too, and they were falling faster than the humans had. When he woke the next day, the birds in the trees around the tower were singing as if the world hadn't ended and the sun was shining. Beyond that, things were still as silent as the radio that had fallen after, the la after that last broadcast. He was pretty sure he was alone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, so, yeah, so we just found out um, the werewolf rebelled on humanity. Right? That's how the end of the world started. They started attacking and killing humans. Yes. 16 years ago. It's been 16 years. How many werewolves are there? I mean, I guess the, an alpha can turn, so it could be a constant. Let's find out. Okay, okay. okay. I want to know now. <laughs> no, but that would... That would... No. That would mess everything up. That would no, mess up the point of the story. <laughs> but, okay, yeah, so 16 years ago, werewolves rebelled on humanity. And he hasn't seen his dad in eight years. Eight years. And five years since his last human being. Yeah. Gosh, how lonely. So lonely. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't imagine not seeing my friends, like, at least every couple days. Like, we don't know what happened to his dad and what happened to his friends. I'm right now assuming everybody is dead and he is really, truly alone. I mean, I hope for a happy ever after and that at the end we'll find everybody and it'll be rainbows and sunshines, but. Yeah, he doesn't know either. Yeah. He, he's like assuming everybody's dead, but he's still making those broadcasts. Yeah, he's still got at least like, not me if not hope maybe like a routine that's keeping him sane you know i was I, I had thought that earlier that there is nothing to fill his days with so doing this three times a day at least keeps him on a schedule yeah makes him aware of the time it makes him aware of his surroundings yeah and it's keeping his sanity if he has any left uh if he had any to begin with <laughs> oh yeah that's too. <laughs> But I, I really shouldn't make fun. Styles has ADHD, and 
I, I do too. And I understand how terrible it is to not be able to just talk to somebody and not have that brain to mouth filter. I, my friends, uh, tell me, Johnny, you're rambling and you're not making sense. Get back on topic. (laughs) (laughs) There've been times when I have like detailed, I I feel for styles because there've been times that I have detailed the male circumcision to people. <laughs> and they're like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I'm like, what uh, is so fascinating? No, thank you. <laughs> Let's get back to the story. I don't I think we're about a third of the way in okay. to our, the section we're reading today. Sunlight danced across the surface of the clear, pure water, reflecting a myriad of dazzling colors like a sea of diamonds. Their light reflected on Styles' face as he stared into the sur- surface, allowing himself a moment of stillness, of contemplation. He didn't think he looked that much older, really, and yet he was 30 years old and definitely changed. His hair was getting too long again, a careless disarray accompanied by day-old stubble and a dashed, broken scar that tore down from his eyebrow across his cheek toward his jaw. It was old now, but still angry red, and he thought wistfully of how it might have mattered once upon a time before the world fell into chaos. He set the last full container aside and leaned down to scoop some water into his mouth. It was only a short journey back, but it was, it'd be difficult still with the containers full. Plus, he had the vegetables to tend to yet. He thanked his mother for her love of her vegetable patch and his father for teaching him to shoot and generally bullying him into helping with the DIY around the house for his survival thus far. (laughs) Still, as someone who'd been too clumsy to get on the lacrosse team in high school, too unfocused to get more than average grades despite his excellent mind, Stiles had wondered at first, how it was that he out-survived everyone else. It was years after he lost his dad, after he'd begun his quest to find something, anything to, to resemble safety, that he had to start to realize how it was that he'd managed to do so. Perhaps solitude or stress or whatever had long ago started to take its toll, had made him imagine things, but ever since he started to run, he'd been sure there was something in him a magic of sorts that just made his skin hum when something supernatural drew near and helped him in weird, tiny, but pivotal ways. It was hard to judge what was impossible nowadays after all he'd seen. But how else could the little generator still be running? The little Fritz that should have surely died long before he even turned up, but had hummed back to life when he turned it on. How else could he have made such a variety of vegetables grow in the same temperature all year round? Bloom again and again without fail. How did the candles burn so slow that some nights he wondered if they weren't magic themselves? It had all started with a little prickle up the back of his neck, a ripple of almost like the drag of an icy fingertip across his skin. The feeling you got when you weren't alone, even though the world around you was still. What followed was a bone-deep sense of panic, of urgency to flee. Not long after he found himself alone in the world, 
having long since realized the few humans that were left back then could be dangerous, be as dangerous as the beast had killed the rest. He was constantly on the move, on his trek to find somewhere safe to settle. He'd come across a bottle of unopened Jack in a town near Sacramento, and he'd been mostly incoherent, drowning his sorrows. That night, he'd woken up, hung over with the, the unexplainable urge to flee. He narrowly escaped the bone-faced creature who slashed his face. Called it the feeling, because that was the only way to explain it. It saved his life on many occasions, but it never manifests further than that. Never became anything more. He wasn't even sure how he was making things last longer or stretch further. If it was his imagination that he could was doing it because whenever he tried to do something more, it failed. Perhaps he was just slowly losing his mind. Water splashed across his chin as he swallowed and he wiped it away with the back of his hand. But as he moved to sit back on his heels, he felt it. He stilled, resisting the urge to whirl around and draw attention to his awareness. He tried to steady his breathing and hoped whatever it was couldn't hear his heartbeat. Slowly, he reached down for another drink, cupping water in his hands. But as he lowered his head to sip, he cast his gaze out across the lake. There was movement there beyond the edge of the trees that lined the far bank, just a hundred yards or so from him. Did he have time to reach for his crossbow? He swallowed. There was a brief beat of stillness then he lunged. A snarl filled the air, and all Style saw was a blur of movement, a flash of red eyes in the gray morning dimness, and he fired. The bolt tore through the air with a sharp hiss. The shadow surged forward, slamming into him like a speeding train, and sending him sprawling back in the dirt. Styles landed with a thump and smashed the air from his lung. lungs. He snarled, panic making him like an animal himself, and he snatched up one of the bolts that had shattered from their holster when he'd fallen, stabbing it hard into the creature's shoulder. The beast roared, wreathing over him, spittle-flecking Styles' face. It was like a wolf, only bigger, its shoulders and back tight with muscle beneath jet black fur. There hadn't been time for information to circulate on the creature, that had ended humanity. There were varied species, each nastier than the last, but this, this was one of the things that had started it all. He knew something of werewolves. He'd faced a couple in his time. It was an alpha. Styles gauged by the red of his eyes. Styles only had a moment to reel from the shock because he thought they were all gone too, just like the humans. And then the werewolf bared his teeth. So, how are you feeling, Jess? It is so intense. <laughs> so I've, I've been trying to gauge, is this happening currently or is this like a memory of his, of how he got his scar? Oh, this is happening currently. Okay, okay. The, the one where he was sleeping and the bone slashed his face, that was a memory. Right now it's current. He's currently being attacked by a werewolf. Okay. And I'll I lost... Pass. Styles scrambled for another bolt, and this time aimed for the wolf's throat. It turned its head just in time to snap its fangs around the shaft of the bolt. The snap of the teeth so close to Styles' fingers, making him drop the weapon. 
He snatched up the entire crossbow instead, slamming it hard into the beast's face. He thought the still limb must have caught, right, caught in right in the eye because it howled and reared back in shock, pawing at its face on instinct in spite of its ability to heal, unable to stop the urge to reach for its eye, just like a human. Rolling onto his belly, Styles crawled out from under the beast and bolted for the trees. He'd been here for so long, knew this territory like the back of his hand, and yet it all flew from his mind as he ran, along with every safety precaution he had, he'd instilled in himself since he was left without medical backup. The incline up into the trees was shallow, but the dip on the opposite side was steep. The ground still soft from the rain the night before, and after all this time it betrayed him. His foot slipped, gave away beneath him, and his ankle gave a sickening hot twist, and he fell. The sludge flew up as he tumbled down through the undergrowth, and he couldn't help but let out a cry of winded agony as he slammed hard into one of the trees at the base of the hill. Everything was spinning. The world was ringing with the impact of the trees, and his entire body felt numb and hot all over. There was no pain, only disorienting movement. Styles gasped for breath and squinted hard. He needed to get up. He needed to move. A snarl ripped through everything, sharper, thinner than the full-bodied roar of the wolf. From before, and Styles just managed to twist his head to the side in time to see a worryingly familiar shape. There wasn't a lot of big prey in the area, so Stiles had only seen a mountain lion here once or twice, and even then it had slunk away from a distance, not liking the sight of him apparently. But it was a lot closer now, and there was no time to wonder why. It hunched its lean body ready to pounce, ears slicked back, and face twisted with a warning growl. Styles jerked, putting all his weight against the tree, levering himself upright, but the world didn't ride itself. His ankle throbbed and the lion lunged, swiping at his torso. A spray of blood painted the air and pain bloomed through his body. Styles choked and the impact with the tree still with him and he killed sideways, landing with a thump. He jerked, willing his body into movement, to anything, but all he saw was the flash of the mountain lion's fangs when a dash of black fur that did, no, did not belong to the cat. The world twisted a final time just as the deep, resonating roar of the wolf shook everything and Styles' eyes closed. Styles! Oh my gosh. I told you it was more so dramatic than my summary. <laughs> it's so... I don't even know of another word, like intense. I feel his fear. I'm fearful for him. I'm curious about this black fur, so this black wool. I don't even know. Yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep going. I'm going to do this. Because this is a flashback. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> like Wayne's will. <laughs> it all started when a group, no, a pack of werewolves that called themselves the Alpha Pack revealed themselves for what they were. Backed by a startling following of beta wolves, they tore through an airport, a shopping mall, big places with widespread coverage until they were everywhere. Werewolves started to make, take everything, 
take the world back from humanity and overwhelm it with like <laughs> lycanthropy. <laughs> I can't say this word. The hard word. It doesn't fit in my mouth right. Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. And make it theirs once and for all. The fact that I can't say that word is funny. It's a, it is a hard, it looks so weird. Yeah. Hard word. It just doesn't fit in my mouth right. I I have a speech impediment. It just, yeah. <laughs> At first, everyone in Styles' class had thought it was a publicity stunt of some new group of fanatics. But within weeks, lycanthropy spread like a plague through all the major cities. <laughs> It soon became apparent that many humans weren't susceptible to the bite. Whether the alphas had known that or just hadn't cared was unclear. But many of the bitten died from incompatibility with the venom. And while the few that successfully changed were swallowed up by the chaos, likely trapped by the power of their alphas. The fact that I keep laughing is just, it makes this it is very dramatic. It's, Oh, wow. Okay, so here we're kind of finding out alphas had ran, ran through the town, basically, right? And we're trying to turn people. But some of the people didn't take the venom well and ended yeah. up succumbing to the injury, right? And just dying. Yeah, yeah. But then there are a couple that did get changed. Yeah. Were they killed then by the alphas again? Is that kind of what was just said? Well, if some if some of them changed, they joined the packs that were attacking everybody. They just got kind of like merged in with the packs, so the packs just kept growing. Okay, so that's that's what is meant by changed. Were swallowed up by the chaos, likely trapped by the power of their alphas. Yeah. So they were just under the control of the alpha. Yeah. Okay. They just kind of joined the pack, and it wasn't just one city. This was like across the world. Oh, right. Okay. But he's talking about, like, his classmates. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. he does mention, like, the major cities, but. Yeah. Like, his, like, at first, everybody thought it was, like, some sort of publicity stunt. And then it became apparent, no, this is really going on. And here are your zombies. <laughs> it was like a zombie apocalypse movie, except the dead didn't rise again. They stayed dead, leaving humanity decimated within weeks forcing the smaller towns to try and fend for themselves, keep the wolves that supported the Alpha Pack's desire for supremacy out. They'd had a good run in Beacon Hills, managed to last longer than most. Even then, they'd believe somehow they'd stick it out, that nothing could ever reach them there. When things took a turn for the worst, when the chaos reached them at last, Styles' dad had helped to form a convoy up north, where the last radio and television reports had said there was a safe settlement, a last resistance. But by then, werewolves weren't the only thing that had stepped out from the shadows. There wasn't even a name for the things that came after. They were the stuff of nightmares. They came in darkness, most of their towering forms enshrouded in a shadow, except for the pale bone of their heads. His dad tried to, to stay, tried to save who he could, but then one of the creatures rounded on Styles. Styles could still remember those moments, the fleeting seconds where his whole life had ended. Makeshift camp had been ablaze, the people from his hometown dropping in the carnage, and he met his dad's gaze around the thing with a skull for a face. 
Piercing red glowed in its gaping eye sockets. It didn't approach so much as stalk him as the world burned. All Styles remembered were his dad's eyes, the desperation in them as he raised his gun and screamed, Get away from my son! Whether the bone man understood words or not, it kept coming. The gunshot ripped through the air and Styles flinched. The creature whirled around a great sweeping strike for, of its long arms, sending Styles sprawling in the dirt as it went. He choked as he inhaled the ash-stone earth, watched, dazed and useless as the beast approached his father, watched as bullet after bullet did nothing to stop it. Then the panicking stampede crashed past him. Someone kicked him unwittingly in the head and the world fell dark. When he awoke, it was to the smell of ash and blood and death, something he suspected remnant of one of the burned out tents had blown over him, but it fell away like a single blanket as he stared around at the dying fire and the bones, the charred remains of the bodies of the people of Beacon Hills, his people. Stiles had found his dad's badge among the ashes. Like other supernatural creatures, the bone men had followed the werewolves out of the darkness, but unlike any other, they seemed beyond reason or compassion beyond humanity. Styles wondered if they held the world now of or what there was left of it. And in. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. So I would assume Styles' dad died in the fires with the rest of the town. Most of the town, if anybody survived it. That would be a fair assessment. Yeah. So. Um, and I am 100% curious what these bone men are. Like, what did they come from? Are they like a mix of a werewolf and something else? Or are they just completely supernatural creature on their own? So, um, yeah, if you remember looking at the picture, picture I don't know yeah. why I'm drawing a picture. Nobody will see this. Um, the hand movements, I love it. Uh, you will see, like in the like in the right hand corner. corner, there's like a bone creature. Yeah. And um, if I made like a little banner for our Facebook page, I started a Facebook page. Haven't invited anybody to it for Ships of Chaos. Yeah, if you guys want to find us on Facebook, Ships we are visible. Chaos group. Yeah. We have the Instagram, which I've been trying to at least post announcements on mm -hmm. but i made a banner for our facebook group and there's like a bone creature at the corner there because uh, i decided i was bored and made some fan art for radio tower <laughs> so but this bone creature it mm -hmm. does have it looks like it has a long nose similar to almost like a werewolf i mean in my head werewolves have longer noses i don't remember like a completely turned werewolf like an actual wolf no no there was, there was no nose it, they were talking about his long arm like it reached out for the him. picture itself doesn't it have like a long definitely a long face i'll have to look at that again let me see i like doing that sound I, i've always <laughs> loved doing that sound since my dad first showed me um yeah, i guess in my picture it has a long nose 
Is it like a long nose or like a long face, something? If you look at the my picture, if you look at the picture, you can like kind of see like it's like an animal skull. Yeah. Yeah. In the story, it talks about how it's like his long arm which reaches for Styles, and then his dad yells at him and to stay away from his son and. And even it's bullets weird. won't stop it. So it's, yeah, it, it, it wasn't even like phased by the bullets. No. No, it was not. So we, we've gotten a small summary, like dramatic reading of how this started, uh, that it wasn't just werewolves that came out. Now we have some other chaotic creature that is worse than the werewolves. So is this bone creature? Does it have fire capabilities or does it doesn't know how to start fires? Where did the fire start in the city? It doesn't really say, but I am assuming like some, a lantern was like probably knocked, knocked over, over okay. in the chaos. Start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And started the fires. Cause everybody is panicking. They're running all over the place, trying to escape these creatures that are probably less annoying than these flies. Uh, I'm in my own little room. I'm I'm just glad we don't have kittens meowing. Like, <laughs> if you listen to last week's episode, every once in a while you can hear like a kitten meow that I couldn't get to get oh, rid I of when editing. I didn't hear it. I had to mute myself a little bit because my dogs were uh, tap dancing over here, <laughs> playing with each other. <laughs> it's the joy of having animals. True. I have three cats and they want in this room and they can't, they're not allowed in this room. <laughs> oh, critters. They're so cute. Yeah. Okay. Um, how should we wrap this up? You think? Um, join us next week, which would be the, for the continuation of chapter one. Join us on yeah. the 15th. Huh? It would be the 15th, right? This will be the eighth. Yeah. So join us on the 15th where we will wrap, wrap up chapter one. A little preview. We will find out who this werewolf is that attacks Styles, But also protects him. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Who also well, stopped the mountain lion. Yeah. The were it's, I think it's kind of obvious that the werewolf stopped the mountain lion. So we're going to find out who this werewolf is that stopped the mountain lion right before Styles passed out. Yeah. I'm wondering if like that whole like do-do-do scene was him dreaming of the past because he's slipping into oblivion. Yeah, because he got knocked out pretty cold after getting attacked yeah. by a mountain lion. Well, and he's losing blood. He's yeah. Stomach was cut. I'm assuming it's his stomach. I think that's what was mentioned. Yeah, it, it, the mountain lion claw into his stomach his stomach yeah so yeah yeah lack of blood maybe now he's just starting to remember the past and his dad reminiscing yeah because anybody would black out after being sliced in the stomach by a mountain lion and adrenaline probably wore down yeah so yeah because he was he was already high on adrenaline from running and slipping and popping his ankle which anybody who has done that knows ow Mm -hmm. <laughs> that hurt hurt anyone. So, join us next week on Chaotic Thursday 
on October 15th for the continuation and conclusion of chapter one. See you next week, guys. See you next week. Thank you for joining us on our journey today. We love any reviews, stars, downloads, and subscriptions. Thank you for listening to the Ships of Chaos. We will see you next Chaotic Thursday.